Hello, and welcome to the Tap Market Podcast. I'm your host, Troy Scarborough. I'm an entrepreneur who has started, acquired, and more importantly, is focused on growing companies. In this podcast, you'll hear from entrepreneurs about how they got their start, what their company is about, what has worked for them to get to this point, and how they plan to build their brands. Expect to find actionable tactics that you can use to grow your business and get motivated to get through the grind into a meaningful entrepreneurial outcome that will change your life. I'm thrilled to have you here. Be sure to follow us on YouTube and Instagram at Tap Market, and let me know if you've been listening to the podcast. I love connecting and hearing from you. All right, let's get to it. Hey guys, this is Troy from the Tap Market Podcast. Today I'm hanging out with Zen Wen of Snow Slumber. Zen Wen, please give everybody a quick rundown on your business, Snow Slumber. Tell everybody where you're at in the world and how you got started on this. Hey guys, so first of all, Troy, thanks for having me on the podcast. My name is Zeng Wen and Snow Slumber is a mattress company that I started with my partner about... 1.5 almost two years ago i think we'll be having our second anniversary on this coming december so it's four months and i'm really excited about that mainly we sell mattresses for the singapore market because i'm based in singapore and i'm kind of servicing singapore because this is the country that i know i'm best at like i know most about so yeah we just kind of sell cold mattresses to singaporeans and it's been going great so far it's been going great so far i think a lot of people in the u.s at least can compare to what you've seen with the caspers and the purples and these giant venture-backed companies but how did you particularly get into this vertical so i actually started working with another dtc company quite a while ago about four years ago and i stayed with them for about one year plus almost two and they sold other furnitures and once i was working with them and i felt like i i kind of knew enough to start my own thing i just came out to do like snow slumber because it seemed like the perfect thing to do like there wasn't any installation needed because typically higher ticket items needed installations like if you're talking about your kitchen stuff typically you need installations so the reason why i chose mattress because although it's bulky and we have some logistical issues it's a really good market to go into because everyone in singapore needs a bit you'll be hard pressed to find someone in singapore which is like a first world country that doesn't have a bit and it's the same for anyone in like the u.s like literally like first world countries more or less everyone's sleeping on a mattress so it's an evergreen niche it's high ticket you'll never run out of customers and if you search for like google trends it's always either hovering or always going up so it was kind of the perfect mix of things it was high ticket good demand and there was one really important aspect of like the usp which i think really helped carry all sales so now we're doing like mid five figure sales per year and our usp is basically cold mattresses and for those of you who've been to singapore singapore's really humid it's really hot everything's air conditioned so the idea of selling cold mattresses just really seemed super appealing and that was like our whole hypothesis and then once we tested out the product, we launched it, we found that there's really good market fit. There's a lot of demand for cold mattresses specifically. And I just decided to go ahead for it. And I'm really lucky it turned out right. It's the very first DTC business that I did. And it did pretty well. So I'm, I'm pretty happy with that. Launching a company is difficult. You just went through it all. And a lot of our listeners that are maybe early on in their entrepreneurial venture are dealing with it now. 
how did you choose who your audience would be and what market to launch to? This is something that I'm really kind of passionate about. When you're first starting a business, I think the most important thing is to really do your research and really understand the market that you are kind of going into. So when I researched for other mattress brands, what I found out was that there weren't a lot of mattress brands that sold cold mattresses. And when you're first starting a business, it's all about product market fit, right? It's like, what are you selling and can you find the audience for it? So in Singapore, it's pretty clear. It's like a no-brainer. If anyone's coming to Singapore, you know that it's very hot. And I didn't see any genuinely like well-marketed products that catered to people who are, which is like everyone who's suffering from the humidity of Singapore. So finding the audience wasn't really the tough part for us because like the whole of Singapore in, in a way kind of needs it, right? So finding the audience wasn't really hard and manufacturing the product wasn't really hard. But what I think really helped us at the start was knowing your research, knowing your audience so well, just by Googling, going on Reddit in Singapore, kind of like running ads. So what we did at the start in order to find product market fit was that we had this hypothesis, which looking back is pretty straightforward. We had this idea of cold mattresses for Singaporeans who are sleeping hot. So it seemed like a perfect fit. It's a little bit of a no-brainer, but in order to achieve that, we, we did study a lot about our competitors, what they were selling, how well they were marketing, because we did see a few other cold mattresses, but they weren't specifically marketing themselves very well. And to be honest, after I tried their mattresses, it wasn't very good. So I know that I could create a better edge for our product. And also we could have an edge on marketing and like website design, all these kind of things. So I thought that we could do pretty well. We could enter the space and have an edge over websites, ads, and all things that are digital marketing and even the product itself. So that's what really carried us forward. And when we were first starting, what I really like to tell other people to do is in order to find product market fit, what you should do is set up like a Shopify store. And this is going a little bit more into the tactics, but set up a Shopify store, get your images out, create like a website that's actually able to take orders and then just run ads with like no inventory. By doing that, you're kind of validating your hypothesis, right? So because of your research into your competitors and your products, you've kind of formed the hypothesis. Next, it's time to test it. Just create a website that can actually take sales, good images, good copy, and then just start taking sales. If you run ads like you one or two thousand dollars in and you have sales, it's a sign that you should start thinking about ordering some kind of like inventory to fulfill them. So that's how you can kind of test for product market fit because there's only so much you can like research to be fair. But once you feel like you've gotten it nailed down, then you can start on like validating your product. Yeah, I think a lot of people can take that even one step further and set up a pre-sales page to validate it. With a pre-sale page, you should anticipate a lower conversion rate than if you had just a fully operational website because some people don't want to put money down for pre-sales of a product that they're not immediately going to get. It's like a Kickstarter type process, but the people that really have the need will, and, and you can then even use even some of that capital to cover the cost of purchasing the inventory. We run Forest and Herald, which is a men's walls company, and walls are relatively inexpensive to create compared to a mattress. But I can imagine that every dollar amount that you can raise to go to that first order is really going to make it easier to buy that inventory for new entrepreneurs, especially when you've got this larger product cost. So you got to get that creative way to figure out how to understand your demand and manage your, your inventory purchases. Otherwise, if you're just buying, you might be stuck with too many mattresses. Absolutely. Yeah. 
One thing I want to touch on, you are right to say that the MOQ is pretty high, like the cost for MOQ. And honestly, if I had to do it all again, I'd find a way to take pre-orders. Because my logic at that time was, I was kind of against pre-orders because, well, for one, I didn't really know how to build up demand for pre-orders, right? But I knew how to take actual sales. And I had more confidence in a successful, non-fulfillable sale than if I were to have a successful pre-order. Because I don't know what the drop-off is. I know there's like a ratio I can probably Google somewhere. But I felt more confident in the business and I felt more confident to place the MOQ order if I knew that people were willing to actually pay for it and not just do a pre-order. So that's what gave me a lot more confidence. But you are right to say that if the product you want to bring in has like a very high cost, you know, not everyone necessarily wants to take that risk, which is why it's so important that you find the right product. Don't start with something like a mattress where the upfront cost is, can be really high. Start with something like, you know, like what you said, like a keyboard or a mouse or a calendar or like a notebook. So that makes it a lot easier for most people to swallow. And it also helps them flex their muscle on how to find good product market fit. So that's for the MOQ and the pre-order. And I had to find my own manufacturer from scratch. We did a lot of samples. So Singapore being an import country, we rarely, I don't think we make anything ourselves. Like everything in Singapore is imported. Because Singapore is so small, there's like no natural resources and things like that, right? I, I don't know how we got here. I'm really blessed to be in Singapore. <laughs> uh, regarding manufacturers, yeah, I really, I really didn't, actually have a lot of relationships within this industry when I first started. So I, I went to, you know, those China sourcing websites and I really picked out a few suppliers that were responsive, that had good reviews and that I really felt like they wanted to work with me because like it would be like 10 p.m. and I dropped that message and they reply me at 10 p.m. It's not something a lot of people do. So I felt very confident. I tried a few samples. I think we went through like four or five samples before we actually found the one that we thought we wanted to sell. You know, looking back now, it doesn't seem like a lot of trouble. But I know for a fact, like during that time when I was looking for manufacturing, I had a lot of doubt in my mind. Like, hey, what if I can't find a good manufacturer? There's always a lot of ifs, ands, or buts. But I think at the end of the day, I would have found someone some way, somehow, but I really was grabbing every inch I could. Like I was clawing my way to a manufacturer. So there were definitely a lot of ups and downs that I probably can't even remember. But it is a big part. It is a big part of how we started. I think in a lot of ways, you got lucky finding a good manufacturer that was a good communicator. Yeah. Uh, I think if somebody out there listening is on the fence of who they should work with, I would say from my experience at least, that the number one thing when you're trying to find somebody to work with overseas is their ability to communicate with you and understand your business and understand your goals. There are obviously going to be language barriers that are already going to slow things down potentially. But if they're a good communicator, they'll always make sure that they get through that process with you. Yeah, You can even go direct to manufacture. That may work for some people. That may work for some industries. Other people may use sourcing managers. The difference with them is that you're going to pay them a fee, but they're going to try to add value to you. They're going to really understand your business. They're going to potentially talk to many manufacturers to find somebody that's going to be the right fit for you. They may even be very local to where the manufacturer is. That could open up the opportunity for them to do some sort of quality assurance prior to products being shipped to you that can really be valuable to your business. Yes, you are 100% right. Also, be wary of manufacturing facility that doesn't have a lot of volume going through them. 
that's usually a red flag. If they're not busy, then you know they probably aren't as good of a manufacturer. If they're busy, but their lead times are a little longer, then it, it is what it is. You, you have to manage your inventory, manage your lead times. You almost want them to be busy because they've got a lot of demand because they're putting out good products. Now, it's your job to manage the lead times and their capacity to get you your product to never run out of stock. So there's multiple ways to look at it. The moral of the story, though, is that doing that type of diligence and not compromising early is definitely worth your time in the long run. You're 100% spot on. I think you are right to say that we really did get lucky with finding our supplier because I think one of the core reasons why we are doing so well even right now, there's a little bit more competition and we're still doing, we're still growing quite decently is that we had a really good manufacturer. I probably had like multiple two hour calls with the manufacturer and they walked me through what every single material does. They recommended me so many things that it was as if I had an expert by my side. You know, I, I actually did. I, I had her on by my side and she helped me so much with just finding a good product and that went so far for our company. I can't imagine the company doing this well if we had another product or like another variation of a cold mattress because whatever she recommended really carried us through starting the business and scaling all the way to now. So that definitely helps a lot. Regarding lead times, you're 100% right. Actually, I didn't realize how important it was to control your lead time and plan in advance and order stocks in advance. So what actually happened was that I think in the last 12 months, we ran out of stock four times. And each time we ran out of stock, it was for about one and a half months. Initially, it was two months. It got cut on to one and a half. And now it's about one month. And like two months ago, I just hired someone else to calculate the lead times on me just to be on top of all that so that we don't run out of stock again. Because that costed us so, so, so much money. That was so painful. But hey, that's like kind of learning along the way. Kind of like plugging the holes as we see them. So yeah, you're 100% right. It's so crucial not to settle for a bad manufacturer just because you want to get things started. I think I'm pretty harsh. I'm pretty harsh to people who don't meet my standards. I have the habit of just ghosting suppliers when they don't meet my standards. So it, yeah, it's, it is what it is. I, I burn through suppliers like nobody's business. Yeah, there's something to be said for always following up with the people and, and trying to maintain the relationship. But as entrepreneurs, we're just so strapped for time. You, you mentioned that you do a lot of your sales leveraging PPC. Is there some sort of advertising platform that sticks out for you in Southeast Asia that has been working for you? That's a great question. I think in terms of PPC, we are very heavily reliant on Facebook and Google. We notice that the main revenue driver is still Facebook, but that's slowly spilling over to Google as we grow our brand and more people are coming down the funnel and they're more aware of our brand. They tend to go through Google more often, but definitely the main revenue driver, I'd say like 70% is still coming through Facebook. That top of funnel is still coming through Facebook. It's very much like the US, except that from what I understand in the US, you guys use Amazon. So far, honestly, the equivalent of Southeast Asia is Shopee. Uh, there's this company called C Limited and they own Shopee. So it's like the Southeast Asia version of Amazon. But what we found is that that doesn't really do very well because we really want to sell a high ticket item, something that's, we want it to be positioned as more premium, even though the price might not reflect that. So we actually try not to sell it on Shopee because that's more for like low-end products. But yeah, the main revenue driver is still PPC. Our company is 100% grown by PPC, although now we are trying to diverge a little bit more into SEO just so that we don't put all eggs in one basket. 
But PPC has served us, Facebook and Google specifically has served us very, very well in growing the company. And I still see that we can grow into like a multiple seven-figure company just by leveraging on Google and Facebook. Like, I think we can do it quite easily. Yeah. I like the comment there about the high ticket items not selling on the equivalent of Amazon. I found something very similar in the States that if you have a premium brand, if you're asking a premium price, people might be able to find it on Amazon. But what they're going to do is they're going to then go Google the brand and and look into the brand and figure out what the story is and try to validate that this high ticket item is in fact of a certain level of quality and whether they buy it on Amazon can be hit or miss. Yeah. So pivoting a little bit, where are you going? What's next for you? How are you going to accomplish that? The dream for me, and this is like 10 to 20 years in the future, the dream for me is to have a holdings company with like multiple specific products and companies that fit my criteria. Yeah, so that, that's really exciting. I'll be starting my second company within the next six months because, like I said, I want to enter the US market. I believe right now that's where you can make the majority of sales. So I made, I, I kind of made like a mistake starting my first company in Singapore. Market's pretty small, although given that it's high ticket, it's pretty small. I think I'm more interested in experiencing the US market and really having growth because I think that if you were to do the same company, probably another concept, but a mattress company in the US, we'd probably be at least 10 times bigger given all the effort that we've put in. So that's it for me. I really want to build a holdings company. Right now, I'm also currently working on my YouTube channel. Uh, <laughs> so that's something I literally am going to upload like my third YouTube video in like probably an hour or two. So that's pretty fun. It's always fun to share more stuff on YouTube. I never was that kind of guy. I used to really keep secrets close to me. I didn't want to let anyone know about what I did. So this is a good change of pace. Now I'm exploring on YouTube. I want to let more people know about high ticket items because you are right to say the PPC. We did kind of build in PPC into the margins. That's why I only sell high ticket items because the first thing I want to do is PPC because if you're good at spotting product market fit, I think PPC should be profitable almost on day one. So that's what I'm up to, building my second company soon. I am looking for a logistics partner in the US that does smaller MOQs. So that's my challenge right now, but I'm looking forward to it. I have a few already, actually, but the more, the better. That's awesome. Any particular insight you can give us on the second company and on on the product? Yeah, so I'm not terribly sure about what products I'm going to launch yet. I have a list, but I'm really kind of going down to see the next best product I can sell that has PPC margins built into it. But I'm not terribly sure. I think there are a lot of products out there that I can do and I can do pretty well, but I don't really have, like, I haven't done any, like, super in-depth research. So I couldn't give you an answer even if I wanted to, but I probably know in, like, the next three months and I'll get it started quite quickly. I like that you're working on the YouTube channel. When you talk about a holding company and having multiple brands, it's something like that that's going to help you do launches. So as you can bring on a new product to market, you'll have this inherent audience base and you can create content about how you're launching this brand and giving that advice, et cetera. And you know the whole premise behind tap market is co-marketing and brands working with other brands to do marketing. 
And that's why we own several brands ourselves. We've got LawnServe, we've got Forest and Herald, we've got Viable Harvest, the Sunglass Company, and we co-market all of those brands with each other. So if they have a little bit of overlap for us, it's this modern man, this modern dad who does his lawn, who carries his wallet and definitely wears sunglasses. If you have a little bit of overlap, that makes co-marketing within your brands easier. But there's also a lot of brands like ours that you could market with as well. There's no reason why a company like Snow Slumber couldn't target market to lawn serve customers, for instance. Yeah. Give me some shameless plugs. Where can people find you? What's the YouTube channel? Let's get some subscribers from here to go follow you. And I'll put it all in the links here as well. Tell people where they can find you and support you. Okay, so I am most active on Instagram. So on Instagram, my handle is called ITS.Zengwen. So it's basically it's full stop Zengwen. And for my YouTube channel, it's just my full name, Lian Zengwen. And if you YouTube me, I'm pretty sure I'll be the first one that pops up. No one else shares my name on social media. So I'm really proud of that. That's one perk of having like a Chinese name, you know, (laughs) good for SEO. That's perfect. And I like the idea of building it around you. Personalizing is the way of the future for marketing. I think all over the world, people want to buy from people, you know, gone are the days of buying from faceless conglomerate. Nobody knows some random overseas manufacturing company that's hiding behind it. It's not that those products aren't necessarily good. It's the name and the reputation and the consistency and the customer service that people will pay that little bit more for because they know what they're going to get, what they're supporting in the, in the mission of that company and what that company is giving back. You may have, have stated a mission like we're giving away X mattresses this year to the less fortunate or people in housing projects or whatever. And, and that'll resonate with the community, with the people. And that may help them have that last little objection overturned to pull the trigger and actually buy the product from you versus you know some other faceless brand that's not doing that. That makes a lot of sense. That's actually the main reason why I'm doing a YouTube channel, right? Because you're seeing the rise of brands like Prime, Mr. Beast, Feastables, I think that's what it's called, Beast Burgers. These companies are like less than like five years old and like they're hitting like mid nine figure market caps. And I think what you said is like super spot on. Alex Homozi, everyone's coming off the woodworks now to build a brand. I think now's the perfect time to build a brand. There's no easier time, right? Like I'm using my phone to film this right now. On my YouTube channels, I like using my phone to film. So I think I think you're 100% spot on. Like in the next five to 10 years, I think a lot of the things you're buying now will be dominated by brands with a face behind them, not some mysterious 3M company that, that produces everything. I think those days are long gone. Today is the day of personalized brands. People want to feel connected. So you're 100% right. And niching your brands down, like you're going after the people that are considering themselves too hot when they sleep, right? Yeah. To the point where they're Googling, how can I solve this problem? Yes. So if you have a product or company that you can niche down, then just keep niching it down to this. And you'll be surprised at how big of a market there technically is out there for what you may consider to be a small niche. Yes. So yeah, I think I think you're spot on. I think you'll be successful. And if I can help at all in your transition to the US, I'd be happy to. So thank you for coming on. And hopefully, we'll have you back again as you keep making additional successes and companies. I'll share all the links to the followers and best of luck to you. Yes. Thanks a lot for having me, man. Like I really enjoyed it.
Hi there. If you found this podcast helpful, I would appreciate it if you took a minute to leave a review. This increases the reach to more entrepreneurs and other people interested in the products, brands, entrepreneurial stories, and their successes, so we can create even more positive small business outcomes. Take a screenshot, tag me in your social stories to friends. This means the world to me to know this podcast has influenced your day and life in a positive way, and that we get to be a part of your own journey. With gratitude from me, until next time, go make it a great day.